Hey, I want to welcome you guys here. Uh, my name is Jason. I'm the pastor here at Grace Hill Church, and I'm so thankful that you guys took a, uh, a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful day and decided to be here with us in church this morning. I want to welcome you. Hopefully, uh, you guys got some coffee or some sweet tea and shook some hands and did all those great things this morning. Uh, we say around here that we want to help people um, grow in their relationship. We want to help people transform into authentic followers of Jesus Christ. And so I pray this morning that you feel like you are moved one step closer in that direction by everything that happens uh, through the singing, through the message, uh, through a prayer time, anything today. Pray that you, uh, everything that we do today helps you take a step closer in your relationship with Jesus. And we love to say around here, no matter who you are, you are welcome here. And so if you showed up today and you're like, man, I don't know Jesus, uh, I just got invited to come to church, you're welcome. And I'm so thankful that you are here and you could help us out tremendously if you're new here by taking that connect card that's in the chair back there that you have in front of you, filling it out. And in the back back there, there's two big um, offering boxes kind of hanging on the wall. And we would love for you to drop those connect cards. It's got a place where you can write a prayer request. And so if you've got something going on in your life that you would love for us to pray about, again, just at the end of the service as you're leaving today, you can put those in there as well as your tithes and your offerings. And we want to circle back up to this. We don't apologize uh, to talk about giving and money and finances. Uh, it is a core of who we are. Matter of fact, one of our core values talks about that we will lead the way with irrational generosity. And you may be here today going, man, you know, that sounds great. And I would love to take some steps in giving. I would love to be able to do that. But my finances are a mess. And I really, uh, I can't, we don't even know how we're going to afford lunch this afternoon. Uh, well, we've got some good news for you. We are getting ready to launch uh, four Sunday morning classes next week. And we, I pray that all four of these classes, no matter which one you choose to jump into, will help you. And one of those classes is a financial class. It is uh, Managing Our Finances God's Way. That's going to be taught by Alyssa Waldhauser. And if you need some help in your finances, maybe you guys have just been sort of mundane for a while even, uh, this would be an incredible class for you guys to jump into and take together either as an individual uh, or as a couple. Also, we have a student class that's going to happen uh, beginning in the mornings. It's called No Filter. So if you've got a student and you don't know what to do with them because you want to come to class, you can bring them. Uh, even, guys, if you're not connected to what we're doing on Wednesday nights or any other time, uh, your student can come and be a part. They are more than welcome to plug into this class. And then it's a three-week class, and we're going to offer another one right on the back end of that then we also have uh, Parenting Beyond Your Capacity is another class that we're offering. Uh, it's just going to help parents think about who do you want your child to become when they leave the house. Not what school do you want them to go to, not what do you want them to do in life, but who do you actually want them to become. And so we're going to take eight weeks with that class and look at uh, some principles that come out of God's Word that can shape our parenting and give us a, a biblical perspective for parenting. And then the other class that we're offering is called Gospel in Life. Drew McWaters, one of our leadership team members, is going to teach that class. This is an eight-week in-depth study on what the gospel is and eight different areas that it impacts and shapes our life. And so I would love to invite you, uh, if you're coming and you're trying to get connected and you don't really know what your next steps are, these classes are a great way to take a next step. And I just want to say a couple of things about the classes real quick. You know, we all walk in with different perspectives on church. 
We all walk in with different backgrounds. We all walk in with different experiences. Some of us have been a part of churches that offered a different style of Sunday morning classes. It was kind of a come and go thing. These classes, the way that we've designed them is to take a snapshot at one area and go really, really deep. And so we charge uh, $10 per person that goes through these classes except for the student class. And here's why we do that. We charge for those classes because I spent $9 the other day at Starbucks to get two drinks, one for me and one for my wife, that was going to last 30 minutes. And buying a $10 book and making a one-hour commitment for eight weeks to come to one of these classes could change your home, it could change your family, it could change your marriage, it could change the course of your spiritual trajectory. And so what we want to ask you to do is be a part of these, prioritize these in your life. Uh, the books are actually cheaper to get them. We're going to provide you with the books. There's also a workbook that goes along with all of these classes. We're going to provide you with those resources, and they're actually cheaper to register online than it would be even to go to Amazon and buy them on Amazon yourself. So we're just trying to make it as easy as possible for you guys to show up next week, jump into these classes, have a great experience, connect with some new people uh, here at Grace Hill Church. A couple of other things real quick before we jump into the message today. Uh, our student ministry is kind of ramping up and getting going, and so tonight is what they're going to call Sunday Social. So if you've got a student, 6th grade through 12th grade, or you want to be a student, you'd like to go back and recapture some of your high school glory, uh, don't show up because that'd be creepy. Um, but if, if you're a student or a student parent and your student's not here this morning, this would be a great way to get, help get them connected. They're going to meet here at the church at 515 is when they're going to meet at the church. And they're going to go over to one of our family's homes. It's not too far from here, the, the Cantrells. And they're going to go over to their home, hang out, have some games, eat some food, and then they'll be back here by the church by around 7.30 tonight, you can pick them up. So we would love to have you connect in that way. The last thing, I promise this is the last announcement today. Next week, we are starting a new series. Today, we wrap up the marriage series. Next week, we start a new series. And we're going to be looking at the book of Jonah is what we're going to be looking at. We're just going to walk kind of verse by verse through the book of Jonah. And Jonah deals with these three kind of big issues that even though this is an ancient book, it's old. It's amazing how many parallels that are in this book that line up with what we face as a society today. And so we're going to be looking at this book, and the title of the series is called Rebellion, Racism, and Redemption. And so uh, if you are someone uh, that kind of struggles with what's going on in society and the racial tensions that are there today in our place as a church and the people of God in the midst of that, this is going to be a great series for you. We're going to dig into this book just verse by verse over the next four to five weeks and look and see what God's word has to say to us about that. We don't do this often here at Grace Hill, um, but I think today we need to pause just for a moment now, today is a historic day in our country. It was a historic day for many churches. I remember where I was the morning of September 11th, 2001. Um, I was actually sleeping. I was late for an 8 o'clock class, and my mom came and woke me up. That's right. I was living at home. Um, and, and as I was getting dressed, she had the TV on that morning, and I remember uh, the news broke, and there was this report of this plane that had flown into this building. And I remember just sort of being stopped in my tracks, even as a young kid, not really knowing the impact and obviously not knowing what was coming with that and everything that would unfold in the day. And I can remember that night, the church that I was a part of uh, called, you know, this was before social media and really email was hip and we just got the word out that we were just going to have a, a call to prayer that night. 
And it was amazing how the community and the church responded in that moment to people that were grieving, confused, hurt. And there are still families today that deal with the effects of what happened on September 11th. And as a nation, we feel it almost in every corner of our society. And we, as, as Americans, we have incredible freedom. But that, in free, that freedom has also come at an incredible price to so many people. And so I think it's appropriate today to just stop and to pause and to remember the families who lost so much, remember the families who gave so much, and remember our country today. Because there's not a day that we don't live in the rearview mirror to somewhat of what happened on September 11th, 2001. And so I'm just going to ask you wherever you are to just pray. Uh, you can do that silently. It's, it's, it's quite all right. And you can get in a posture of prayer. That could just be kneeling, you know, bowing in your seat. It could be kneeling at your chair. But we just want to take just a minute and just thank God for what he's done in our lives. And thank God for the freedom that we have. And ask the Lord to be with the families who every year on this calendar date mourn the loss of those that they'll never get to see again on earth. So let's pray together for just a minute, and then I'm going to uh, teach from God's Word. God, we, we can never thank you enough for the freedom that we have in Christ. We can never thank you enough for the freedom that we have here as Americans to come into a place like this, to not have our, our lives on the line as we walk in a place and sing and worship and remember your truth from God's word. God, we as Americans, we don't, we don't really live in fear that our Christianity would be found out. Most of the time, we spend a lot of time just trying to hide it in a way, not out of fear for our lives, but fear of maybe what other people might just think about our reputation. And God, on days like this, we pause as a church and our heart breaks for those family members who gave so much. Our heart breaks for those family members who woke up on just another morning, headed into another work day in the same place that they had been working for days, weeks, months, years. And in the midst of all of that, their lives were changed and altered forever. We remember those who rushed towards those buildings as so many were rushing away. Who wanted to rescue as many as they could and in the midst of their rescue, they lost their lives as well. And God, I pray that you would, that you would desensitize maybe our emotions a little bit. And that we would be so thankful that yes, while there are some complex issues facing our nation, and there are some complex decisions and arguments that are being had right now that will no doubt impact our children and our children's children. Jesus, we thank you that your word says that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And we thank you that even though someone tried to come and to take the individual liberty that we have and the freedom that we have, that no one can take the freedom that we have in Christ, whether here on earth or in eternity. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Thank you, guys. Hey, so today we are finishing up the Love Triangle series. And if you're just walking in here and you're going, man, Love Triangle, what's all that mean? We, we've been talking about, kind of imagine this picture of a triangle. And there's a, there's a husband and the wife, and then at the top there's something and in each of our lives, we pursue something that's at the top. It could be the husband's pursuing job, career, sports, extracurricular activities, Ole Miss football, whatever it may be. And the wife could be pursuing something, putting something at the top that she's striving and pursuing towards. And that the only thing eternal and the only thing that actually as you pursue it together that lasts is when we put God at the top of our marriage. Because what happens when we put God at the top, not only do we draw closer to God, but in return, we actually draw closer to each other. And so we've spent the last four weeks talking about what does it look like to draw closer to God? What does it mean to sort of have this mind that we would draw closer to God and put him first? So the first week, we really just dug into the idea of why. Like, why marriage? Why, of all the things that God could have given us to reflect who he is, he gave us marriage, and the second week, we talked about a very controversial word in our society, especially when it comes to uh, male and female relationships and relations, and that word is submit. And then the last two weeks, we've been kind of digging into this idea of what is a submissive mind? If we're going to submit to one another, like Ephesians said, out of reverence for Christ, what does is, what is a submissive mind look like? So we've spent the last two uh, weeks looking at five different areas of where we uh, and what we think about when we have a submissive mind. And, and I wrestled with this last week because I wanted to try to leave you on something that was encouraging. But I just kept coming back to this idea today of the last few weeks we've talked about kind of some handles that could help you grow closer to God. And we've talked about some handles that could help you grow closer as a spouse but, but what if we push the pause button on that and we looked at an area of our life that affects, if we got honest, it affects every single area, every single nook and cranny of our relationship with our spouse and our relationship with God. And that if it's an area that's overlooked, while submission may cause a little tension in the home, and while some of the other things that we could have talked about in relationship to our marriage today could cause some strife and some conflict, this would be an area that could crumble it all. So today we're going to talk about the issue of purity. And I sent out an email this week, I put it on Facebook last night, and I just want to say it again. Uh, if you are a parent with a child in here who has ears really old enough to understand what we're going to talk about, uh, I promise today I will be as PG as possible. Uh, there's no need for shock and awe when we talk about the issue of sexuality, purity, uh, pornography, adultery. We all get it. We're all adults. We don't have to you know, bring worldly language into that conversation. We get it. But I just wanted to be sensitive to the fact that you may not want your pastor talking about these things that you might not have wanted your children to even uh, know about yet. And so I, I really, out of just a compassionate heart towards you, wanted to do that. So if you need to take a minute and get up and leave, you're welcome to do that. If you want to take your child out, that's fine. We've got preschool and elementary happening. But I, I really want to be sensitive to that issue this morning as we jump into this last day. And some of you may have thought, man... Of all Sundays for me to visit church, of all Sundays for me to show back up at church, it had to be today. 
I, I either really don't need this in my life or, or, man, I've got so many scars from this. And others of you, you just think, man, it just doesn't matter. You know, I'm single or my, my marriage is wrecked anyway or, you know, hey, we, we've got this understanding in our home, so it, it's cool. And what I want to say to you today is that it matters. It really, really matters because, you know, what we want to say a lot of times in our, in our lives is that if it feels good, do it. That's what culture tells us. Hey, if it feels good to go in debt and buy that house you can't afford, do it. If it feels good to go in debt and buy that car that you can't afford, do it. If it feels good, go do it. And so much of our society, I'm right on the edge between a millennial and a, and a Gen Xer. And so much of my generation has bought into the lie that if it feels good, do it. Or maybe you've bought into the lie that, hey, it's my body. I, I can do with my body what I want to do with my body because my decisions are between me and me alone. And what I want to tell you this morning is that when it comes to the area of purity in your life, the decisions that you make are not just between you and you alone. I want you to look at some statistics from one of the most devastating addictions that we have in society today. These are all going to be up on the screen. I'm just going to read them. 10% <clears throat> of Americans admit to having an internet sexual addiction. 40 million Americans visit porn sites regularly. Look at that, 40 million Americans visit porn sites regularly. 18% of Christian men say they view porn at least once a week. Ladies, you're not off the hook on this either. One in three visitors on pornography sites are now female. And in a recent study that was conducted, 49% of young adult women agree that viewing pornography is an acceptable way of expressing one's sexuality. All parents in the room, this next stat, it stopped me in my tracks. 90% of six of eight to 16-year-olds have viewed internet pornography online. And in the study that was conducted where they developed those numbers, most was done by viewing, while doing homework. 47% of Christians said pornography is a major problem in their home. And listen to this. This is why this is so important to us today as we talk about this. Is that 56% of divorce cases involved one party having an obsessive interest in pornographic websites. So the decisions that you make as a married couple and as a single adult, as a teenager, are not just between you and you when it comes to the area of your purity. They're between yourself, they're between your current spouse, your future spouse, and we're going to unpack some of this in just a minute. And they are certainly between you and God. And you may be sitting here today going, man, I'm glad I came to church today. Of all the things that come into church, this is a great one. And what I want to say to you is the church as a whole, I mean capital C church, church as a whole, has done a really bad job of talking about sex, of talking about pornography, of talking about addictions in general. And we've sort of just left you to the wolves. We've left you to just be one click away 
from accessing anything in the world that you want to access. And so we have to, as the church, talk about these issues. Why? Because God's word speaks to them over and over and over again. They are critical to the fabric of who we are as believers in Christ, and they are critical to oneness and wholeness in our marriages and in our future marriages. I love what Philippians 1.10 says. I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until Christ returns. So that's why we're talking about this today. I want to help you, just like our mission statement says, helping people, helping people become authentic followers of Jesus Christ. I want to help you take a step towards that today. And for some of you, it may just be telling you what you already know, but you may not have acted on any of this. For others of you, this is, this is one of those moments where your heart's starting to beat because you might know what I'm getting ready to say and you're holding on to a secret and you pray nobody finds out about it. And for others of you today, there's so much pain around this subject and so I want to be careful and I want to be full of grace and I want to try to give you some hope at the end of today's message and how you can take some steps towards healing. We're going to stick with Paul. Paul wrote a lot about purity. He wrote a lot of, about marriage. And so in most of this series, through most of this series, we have been dealing with uh, Paul's writing. And today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, if you're new to this whole Bible thing, it's kind of on the, the back side of your Bible. Matter of fact, wow, I just opened my Bible right up. It's page uh, 954 in mine. It's probably not 954 in yours. But um, it's kind of on this back half of your Bible. You'll see 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. You'll know you've probably gone too far at that point. And I'd love for you to just track along with me, whether it's in your physical Bible or your YouVersion app, whatever you want to go with. And the first thing I want you to write down is this. We've sort of hinted around about it and talked about it. But the first thing I want you to see is this, and you can write this down if you're taking notes, is that purity matters. Purity matters. This is what Paul's writing, and he's writing to a culture. This is astounding. He's writing to a culture that if we were able to Marty McFly back into this first century, and we were able to see what Paul saw and to see what that church dealt with, we would be astounded. Do you know that in this society, it was customary, not fringe, it was customary that when you go to the temple to worship whatever pagan god you're going to worship, that you could and would also have sexual relations with one of the many prostitutes that were in the temple and then you would check your religious box and you would go back home and you would have lunch with your wife and you would have lunch with your kids and just go about your day. That was normal in this society. So Paul says this, do you not know? And again, Paul's saying this because they ought to already know this. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Never would I ever do that, Paul is saying. I mean, this is like the most far-fetched, far thing that, that Paul could open this dialogue with these guys about, isn't it? And, and imagine this, just, just, just for a minute, and I may say something that may strike you as, I don't know, this might be heresy, so just, just roll with me, hear my heart. 
Let's just imagine that the Bible wasn't true. We believe as a church in the authority of God's word. We, we be absolutely believe in the inspired word of God. So again, let me just say that. But, but let's just for a minute, it was proven that the Bible wasn't true. And that none of this stuff that Paul is saying really is true and it really doesn't matter. How many people do you know and how many of you would get to the end of your life and would make this statement? You know, if I'd have just spent 15 more minutes online looking at porn, my life would have been complete. You know, if I'd have just had one more affair that wrecked my marriage and broke my family, I think I could die happy. If I'd have just had one more opportunity to flirt with that really cute person in the office, then I could, I could live my life in peace as I die. Why do you never hear anybody say that? Because it's a lie. But it's the lie that culture feeds us all the time. Get more. Go pursue your passions more. Go pursue your, 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 your interest more. More, 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 more. And what Paul is saying here, he's making this outlandish statement because he's trying to show, the, the, honestly, just the craziness of the way that these people were thinking. You know, it's kind of like fire. I, I love fire. I'm a guy. I love fire. I love just lighting a candle in the house, just taking that little thing and seeing the fire come in. It's like, ooh, I like that. You know, and fire is great as long as it's contained. A, a few years ago... Um, I was doing some leaves in my backyard, and we, you know, the fall, and all the leaves had come down, and I had my, <clears throat> my blower out there, and my rake, and I had my wheelbarrow, and I had built a fire pit in the backyard for us to do marshmallows and all that kind of fun stuff, <clears throat> and I decided, why bag the leaves when you can burn the leaves? I mean, why bag the leaves and drag them all the way to the front yard when I'm right here? Let's burn the leaves. So what what any good guy do? Took the blower and we blowed all the, I blew the leaves up in a big pile and I was taking the leaves and kind of throwing them in the burn pit and throw them in the burn pit and throw them in the, and then I got this crazy idea. <clears throat> what if I loaded all my leaves up in the wheelbarrow and just made a big dump at one time? That'd be a lot less work, wouldn't it? <clears throat> Here's the problem. What I didn't realize, <clears throat> I had a plastic wheelbarrow, which maybe this is a, commer a commercial for not buying plastic wheelbarrows. But I loaded up a big thing and I, I dumped it over into the fire pit and, you know, just pulled it back over and went back and just started putting more leaves in. Well, when I set my wheelbarrow down, what I didn't realize was that an ember from the fire had kind of come up into the wheelbarrow and was now burning a hole in the end of the plastic wheelbarrow. Well, I also didn't notice that where I had laid the wheelbarrow to set it was my five-gallon gas can. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, I started to smell this gas smell. You know, like when, some, when you spill gas, and whoa, man, that's strong. <clears throat> what, happened, what happened was um, I put leaves in. The leaves started to burn. They melted through the wheelbarrow and then began to burn through the handle of the gas can. And thankfully, I was able to, you know, get the gas away and kind of put it out and all of that stuff. Now, fire is great, and gas is great, but fire and gas don't mix. And it's the same way when it comes to purity in our lives. Sex is great, 
as long as it's inside the bounds of God's desire for each of our lives. Paul writes too in 1 Thessalonians, he says this, God wants you to be holy. So you should keep clear of all sexual sin, then each of you will control your body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passions as pagans do in their ignorance of God's ways. The second thing I want you to write down is this. Paul continues on, and this is the second thing I want you to write down. Again, we've sort of hinted at this already. Is that purity is never just about you. Purity is never just about you and your decisions that you are making in the moment. Paul writes this, don't you, do you not know? And here he goes again, he's stating the obvious. That he who unites himself is one, with a prostitute is one with her in body. And he goes all the way back to one of the very first verses we read at the beginning of this series. The two will become one flesh. And any of you who know that when you got married, there was something that happened between you and your spouse over time. That as you enjoyed intimacy, as you enjoyed transparency, as you enjoyed conversations maybe that you had never had with anybody else on a deeper level, there was a oneness that began to happen. And what Paul is saying here is that you can look at the internet and you can watch something on the internet. You can have a one night stand on a business trip. You can have another affair, but there will always be a part of you that is left behind. There's always be a part of you that's left behind because there is no commitment that's involved when purity is absent. There is no commitment in our lives that's involved when purity is absent. And that's part of God's design. For, for, for sex to happen within the bounds of marriage because there's, there's a promise, there's a commitment that is made in that moment. I remember a few months ago, a friend of mine began to share with me, confessed his, his sexual addiction. And, and he started by talking about how long he had been free from this sexual addic addiction, but that it was a, a daily battle. And I remember the while there was so much joy because he was beginning to really feel freedom from this, there was, there was also so much pain that he shared because he talked about how as this became known, it, it so deeply damaged his marriage. And it's so for many, many weeks and months, it felt like there was this huge distance between him and God. And Paul is saying here that when, when you step off into bounds outside of the way that God has designed for marriage, that there is more at stake and there is more involved than just your moment, than your, just your decision, than just your few seconds of passion. That these decisions that you make, whether it be as a teenager or a young adult or as a married adult or maybe a divorced adult and you're trying to get married, again, the decisions that you make are building a foundation for your life. 
He goes on and he writes in verse 17, but whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit, meaning that the commitment that we have from God is eternal. You see, he's contrasting the the common way to think in that time with what God offers, which is an eternal commitment that we have from him. It is an eternal promise that when we are one with him, we are one with him in spirit. And so my challenge for you, if you're a teenager here today, and you're struggling with your identity, and you're struggling with with the decisions that you need to make, or maybe you're a single adult, and you just, man, you're, you're, you're willing to put your future at stake because it just doesn't seem like this marriage thing's ever gonna happen. My challenge to you if you're a teenager or if you're a single adult or even a, a divorced adult and you're older in life and you're, you're by yourself, my challenge and my hope for you is this, is find your oneness and your wholeness in Christ. Because that commitment, those are not vows that run out at till death do us part. That's an eternal commitment that is made from Jesus Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross through the shedding of his blood. The third thing you can write down is this. Is that purity is always proactive. Purity is always proactive. Paul says in verse 18, flee from sexual immorality. Flee from it. Don't flirt. Some of you guys have heard me say that before. Flee, don't flirt with sexual immorality. Paul's saying, I'm headed towards a disaster. And what most of us in our life want to think is, how close to the edge can we get? How close to the edge can we get before we fall off? That's the line that most of us would want to play with. And what Paul is saying here is, you see the edge coming. You see the disaster about to happen. Don't flirt with it. Flee from it. Turn around and go and run as far and as fast as you possibly can in your life. And I know so many men, and I know so many couples who have not been proactive in their purity. They've been reactive. They've waited until they've crashed and burned, and then they decided to get serious about it. Or they waited until they get found out, and that's when they decide to get serious about it. And what Paul is saying here is flee from it. It's not worth it. He goes on and he says, all other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. And what Paul is saying here is this, that there is a higher degree of consequences that are associated with sexual sin. Talk to anybody Talk to anybody who has now come through the other side of it. They, they, they've repaired, they've restored, they, they've kind of been made one with Christ again. They, they feel like, okay, I, I'm, I, can, I can live my life for him. Maybe their, their marriage, God worked a miracle in their marriage. But the, the pain and the regret and the, man, I never, I never want to get close to that edge again is there. Because all other sins a person commits are outside the body. Sexual sins, Paul says, is sin against their own body. You may say to yourself, you know, well, what, if, what if I've messed up? I mean, what if I've messed up big? 
You, you may be that person that's here today and your heart's just pounding. Or you may be here today and just thinking, man, I, I, I've got so much baggage in this area. I, I want to try today as we close to offer a little bit of hope. There was an article that was posted on the Washington Post this last week. And the title caught my eye. It said this, her marriage was the jewel in her blog universe. Then she found out her husband was cheating. And this is um, an article that was written about Doyle Melton. Uh, she's an internet blogger. Her uh, team says that she has on her, webs on her uh, weekly blog that she has over 7 million viewers that read her blog every week. Before she started blogging, she made this commitment that she was just going to be as open and honest, kind of a truth-sayer. And so one day her pastor, this article says that one day her pastor asked, had kind of heard a little bit about her story and asked her just to come in and share it. And the pastor got a little bit more than what he was bargaining for. He was hoping she was just going to come in and maybe share a little bit about her postpartum depression and kind of the effects of that that it had on her family. And, and, and she actually came in and she talked about a stint in a mental institution that she had, her addiction to drugs, the abortion that she had had with her now husband, before they had ever gotten married. And her first book, it was called Carry On Warrior. I haven't read it, so this is not an endorsement. It's just a statement. Her first book, Carry On Warrior, debuted on the New York Times bestseller list at number three. But a week before she was getting ready to go and promote the book, she announced on her blog that her and her husband were separating because he had been in, um, in multiple affairs. And so her blog began to shift and began to write a little bit about this. But she's now come back with another book. It's called Love Warrior. And this book sort of fills in the gaps between sort of that first book that she wrote and kind of catches us up to what's been happening lately that she hadn't shared on her blog. And a month before the book's release, she posted a new update on the blog. And she said her and Craig are separating again. And this is the statement that she made. You can be shattered, and then you can put yourself back together piece by piece. And sometimes, no matter how hard you try, you simply cannot fit into your old life anymore. And that may be the best news for some of you here today. Is that no matter how hard you try to put your life back together piece by piece by piece by piece, you just will not be able to fit in your old life anymore. So the good news that I have for you today is this. You don't have to fit into your old life because Jesus can give you a new one. Because today, purity can begin today. You can hit the reset button in your life. You can hit the reset button in your marriage. You may still be dealing with some consequences of some of the decisions that you have made. But purity and your step towards that can begin today. Paul writes this, do you not know, he's saying it again, that your bodies are the temples, and again, he's using very specific language to this culture, that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. And I love this, you are not your own. The decisions that you make as a follower of Jesus Christ are not just about you and you. You are not your own. 
You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. I love the way the message translation reads this. He says, don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? God cares about you, and he cares about the decisions that you make, and he paid a high price for you. Yesterday, we went out to the uh, Germantown Festival. My wife loves these things. We've been married for almost 13 years. This is one of those have-to, not-get-to moments for me. So we load up, and we all go, and we sweat, and we spend $80 on fair food. It's just, anyway, she loves it. And she had a mission. You see, we bought a home back in June, and she's kind of been waiting to kind of get in the home, and then she's going to start kind of buying little things piece by piece to sort of fit. And she had a mission yesterday. We're going to an arts and crafts fair, so I'm going to buy a painting. This is the painting that we walked away with. I think we got a picture of it. You see the little church there? Isn't that cute? This was taken this morning. That's my dog. That's Maggie right there laying on the couch doing her thing. And that picture, we walked around the Germantown Festival forever. And, and looked at 400 that all eventually looked kind of the same to me. And that was the one. She picked that one out. It wasn't the most expensive, thank Jesus. But that was the one. That was the one she had to have. And so after we, we, we bought it, and she's happy and she's excited. And we get in the car and she looks at me and she goes, can you hang it when we get home? I said, honey, I'll hang it when we get home. Don't worry about it. And, and we decided to take a detour, and we stopped at Miko's. Can I get an amen from anybody who loves some Miko's snow cones in town? And we stopped at Miko's, and we were there because the line was long. We were there for like an hour. And she looked at me in the middle of our, of our snow cone eating session. And she looked at me, and she said, what about the painting? I said, what do you mean about the painting? She said, we got to go. And I said, why do we have to go? And she said, because the, the paint might start to run on the painting. Now, my wife is smart, so I didn't want to correct her in front of everybody. So I'm going to correct her in front of all of you. The, the, the paint was not going to run. It was not going to smear. It was not going to melt off the canvas. But, but why was that on her mind? Because that painting was bought with a price. She searched and she looked and she waited to find the right one. And so she cared about that painting. See, when we put it in the back of the, the SUV, she wanted to make sure that it was sitting on the right side and we carry a packing blanket with us wherever we go because you just never know. And so I had to slide everything over and make sure that it wasn't going to fall and make sure that all the drinks, you know, from the because you got to go to the Germantown Festival and buy all these things. They were not anywhere near so they could spill over and dump because that picture was bought at a price. And you... If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're tied up in this addiction of, of sexual sin, I want you to be reminded this morning that you were bought at a price. And if you consider yourself someone who is far from God, who is distant from God, who doesn't know the love of Jesus, I want to tell you this morning that you were bought with a price. God's word tells us that he will take out our cold heart of stone and give us a new heart. And so this morning, purity can begin today. It may not be easy. It, it, it may be one of the most difficult decisions that you could make. 
But I promise you, I promise you, the end is worth it. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The old is gone. The old is gone. And the new has come. So purity matters. And purity is never just about you. And purity is always proactive. And purity can begin today. So how do we, how do we close this out? How do, how do we close this message out? How do, we, how do we close this series out? It's a couple of things. First of all, I want you to know that you're not alone. It would be very hypocritical for us to stand up here and say, hey, you need to pursue purity on your own. Go for it. Figure it out. So at 11.15 on our Facebook page, Grace Hill 90, uh, facebook.com slash gracehill901, we posted a list of resources. They're, they're blogs. There's some accountability software if you're struggling with internet pornography. There's some steps that you can take for you as an individual or you as a couple. And you can go to that website. You can go to our Facebook page discreetly. Nobody's going to know you've been there. We don't track those things. And you can see some resources. They're all from triplexchurch.com, uh, which is an incredible ministry based out of California. And you can begin to take some steps towards building a new foundation in your life of moral purity. The other thing that may need to happen today is when I talk about the fact that God can give us a new heart, that you were bought with a price, that seems foreign to you. That idea that, that you could be made new from the inside out seems foreign. And so you may just need to take a step closer to Jesus today and to say, Jesus, you know, I I may not know a whole lot about you, and, and, I, and I may not understand everything. It's okay. I don't understand everything either. I don't understand why a perfect, sinless man would step out of heaven into earth and offer himself as the perfect, sinless sacrifice for all of humanity and all of mankind. I, 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 don't, I don't fully understand that, but my inability to fully understand the love and the grace of Jesus has not kept me from embracing it. And you can take that step today as well.